I want to draw your attention to the last phrase in verse number 40, where the Bible says, now Barabbas was a robber. And I want to preach on the greatest robbery known to man. The greatest robbery known to man. I want you to pay close attention to the text this morning and I want you to see some things concerning uh, these Jews. And one of the things that we'll see here in this text is that God had been good to the nation of Israel and the Lord had blessed them and he had given them a lot. In Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 48, the Bible says, for unto, whom, for unto whom much is given, much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much of him will they ask the more. And the nation of Israel had been given light uh, like no other nation on earth. If you go back to the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, and you think about uh, the law was given to the nation of Israel, and then you think the, about the prophets, and you think about, uh, listen, the Psalms that was given. Uh, uh, the nation of Israel had been given the very word of God, and then the Son of God came uh, through the nation of Israel. They had Moses. They had the prophets. Uh, that's why uh, Father Abraham said to that rich man in hell, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them because they had been given so much light. When we come to this text this morning, we'll notice in verse number 39 that they had been given a custom. As he says, but you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. And this was the custom is that they would show goodwill and they would show uh, grace towards some prisoner, some criminal uh, just before the Passover. They had a custom we see in this verse. And then we notice that they had a choice. Uh, he says to them in verse number 39, will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Uh, they got a choice. Uh, they can choose a robber or they can choose the redeemer. Amen. Uh, they can choose a sinner or they can choose the savior. Do you know this morning God has given every man a choice? Uh, he made man a free moral agent. Amen. He gave man a will of his own. Uh, and I want to tell you this morning, God has given us the ability and God has given us the privilege uh, to either choose Christ or reject him, amen? And so we see they had a custom. We see that they had a choice. And then I want you to notice in verse number 40 that they had a cry, amen? The Bible said, then cried they all again. They cried, that word cried means that uh, they began to shout with a loud voice. I mean, they were bold in their choice. They made a conscious choice as Jesus stood before them. Friend, they were not timid in their choice. But the Bible said that they cried all again. My friend, this choice uh, was made in unity. Uh, my friend, they chose together. And what we have here is that they chose, uh, uh, my friend, uh, rather than to receive the Christ, uh, they chose a criminal. Every man has this choice. Uh, notice their cry. The Bible said in verse number 40 that they cried all again saying, look at what they said, not this man, but Barabbas. What I notice in that cry is I see their rejection as they made it very clear, not this man. Do you know this morning if you're lost without God and the gospel comes to your heart's door and the Holy Ghost deals with your heart, you'll either have to choose Christ or you'll have to reject him. And you'll have to make that choice for yourself. You say, well, preacher, I'm not going to decide. But if you choose not to decide, then you've already made your choice. Uh, you've chose to reject Christ. Uh, we see their rejection in this cry. Then we see their request. Look what they said. Not this man, but Barabbas. 
I mean, they chose Barabbas. Uh, it's very clear that they not only rejected Jesus, uh, but they chose another man. Now, we know who Barabbas was. There are things we don't know about him. We don't know how the cross affected Barabbas. Uh, we don't know how it affected his life, Jesus being his substitute and taking him pl his place. Uh, did he crown the Christ? Uh, was he a part uh, of, my friend, the torture and the torment? Was he a part of the crucifixion? We don't know that. And uh, listen, uh, did he consider Christ uh, or did he just walk away that day from Calvary and go right back to his way of living, never thinking about what had been done in his life? I don't know if Barabbas ever got saved. We do know about his sin. We know that he was a murderer. The Bible talks about that he'd caused an insurrection. He was a robber. I mean, this is a wicked man, isn't it, this morning? We think about him. We know his sin. We know his service that he had provided for the community. He tried to go against Rome. We know his Savior, that just like in this text, Jesus took Barabbas' place. I want to say this morning, Jesus took all of our place this morning. I'm going to tell you who Barabbas really is this morning. Barabbas is me and Barabbas is you. And Jesus took our place. We see their request. They, they chose a man over the Savior. And then we see the results of their cry. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 40. It said, now Barabbas was a robber. It's interesting that the reward that they got was a thief. He was a robber. And this is the greatest robbery ever known to man. It's not a robbery of silver, but it's a robbery of their souls. It's not a robbery of gold, but it's a robbery of their God. They turned away the Son of God and they chose a robber. I want to tell you this morning, when you think about Barabbas uh, without any effort, without any uh, conscience of his own doing, uh, they chose him. Uh, he walked away. And my friend, he robbed an entire nation of the Son of God because of their own choice. Uh, you say, preacher, how could you put that in perspective? Well, it would be like leaving your house this morning and leaving your doors unlocked to coming home and finding out that a thief had walked in and took everything out of your house. Well, you can blame the thief because he shouldn't have been there but you have to blame yourself uh, because you made a conscious choice uh, and it was a bad choice isn't that right I'll tell you that's the way it is in this text here they chose the wrong man but they didn't sin against darkness friend they sinned against light uh, they knew who Jesus was uh, they knew what he could do they had heard his sermons uh, they had heard his preaching they had stood in his presence uh, they had saw his miracles uh, they knew that he was the son of God but yet they went against that light anyway. You know there's people sitting in our churches today. They've heard preaching. They've heard the gospel until listen, we're all blue in the face. Uh, people have prayed for them and begged them and pleaded them uh, to get saved but still they reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they choose this world over the Son of God this morning. Oh, that's a tragedy, isn't it, today? And I want to give you in this text here three things that'll rob you of accepting Jesus Christ today. Three things in this text that'll rob you from accepting Jesus Christ today. Why this morning did Pilate, Pilate knew so much, even Pilate made the statement, I find no fault in him. 
You think about Barabbas, he went away. You think about this crowd here, they made this choice. But why didn't Pilate? Listen, it was in his hands to be able to turn things around. Pilate could have set Christ free. Pilate, my friend, heard the truth. He stood and then saw the very embodiment of truth. Why did he reject Jesus Christ? I want to give you three things that, that robbed Pilate, that robbed this nation, that robbed everyone on this day of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say, first of all, it was the power of persuasion this morning. Because the Bible said in Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 15 and verse number 10, talking about the chief priest, for he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that, he should, that they should rather release Barabbas unto them. You see, the chief priest worked the crowd. They persuaded the crowd not to choose Jesus Christ. This crowd had saw all that Jesus had done, but yet the religious leaders of that day had moved the crowd to reject Christ. Can I tell you, religion will always turn you against Christianity, amen? Religion will make you feel good about yourself. Religion will make you feel good about your sin. Religion will make you feel good about your service, amen? Religion hates Christianity. You may be here this morning and say, well, Brother Gravely, I go to church every Sunday. Hey, while that may be commendable, it has nothing to do with eternity and salvation and missing hell and gaining heaven, amen? You can attend church every service of your life and still die and go to hell in your religion this morning. The power of persuasion. You see, the devil does it in every invitation where the Holy Ghost draws a man's heart. He begins to try to convince him that he's okay, that he doesn't need to come to the altar, that he doesn't need to to make that step. Uh, that Listen, the devil will try the power of persuasion, anything to keep you from getting right with God, anything to keep you from getting saved. Uh, hey, the devil don't mind you going to church, uh, but he sure don't want you going to heaven. Amen? Now, he'll do anything he can to persuade you. Amen? One of the age-old arguments is this. Well, you know, there's so many hypocrites down at the church house. Well, we'd all say amen to that. Because number one, we've all been a hypocrite at some point in our life. Hey, number two, we know the church house has got hit, but there, there's hypocrites at Walmart. Amen. You don't believe that? Wait till you go to Walmart next time. You think that door greeter really cares what kind of day you're having? When they look at you and say, well, you have a good day, you think she means that? No, she don't mean that. She's paid to say that. They're not waiting. Uh, when you go down to the restaurant and that waitress is nice, uh, she's not doing all of that out of the goodness of her heart. She's not bringing your food and pouring your... your haven't you ever noticed how when you sit down at a restaurant, how they start out kind of cantankerous, but, but you know, they'll get nicer the closer it gets to tipping time. Amen. <laughs> They're not doing that because they want to. People don't let hypocrisy keep them from the bank. They don't let it, keep them, let, them, let it keep them from the grocery store or anywhere else. But when it comes to church, the power of persuasion, the devil said, oh, you don't want to go to church. There's so many hypocrites down there. Well, come on down here and join the rest of us because one more won't hurt us, amen? You're being a hypocrite when you say that church, going to church for hypocrites is why that you don't get saved. No, you don't get saved because you don't want to get saved. You don't get saved because you love your sin. You don't get saved because you want to keep on living the way you're living. I'm just telling you this morning, the power of persuasion, uh, what happened was, uh, is that the political, uh, listen, system was what moved the heart of, uh, of Pilate to, to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing. You know, it's interesting. 
We're living in a time when things have been ramped up, haven't they? In just the last year, I think 2020 was a year more than a, a year of a pandemic. But 2020 was a year when, when all of hell has, uh, has launched an all-out attack on the church, uh, on men of God, uh, on, on patriotism, uh, and all that believe in, in morality and decency and freedom. That's what 2020 was all about, friend. You need to see the big picture this morning. We are living in the last days, uh, and we are getting closer to the end of time, uh, and everything that's happening in our country and everything that's happening around us, uh, my friend, listen from politicians to religious leaders I'm telling you listen to wicked heathen today they're using the system of this world to try to change and warp the mindset of a younger generation you know why that is it's the power of persuasion amen they're using TV social media books, magazines, billboards, the educational system. I mean, it's everywhere you turn, isn't it? They want to try to cram sodomy down our throats. They want to try to cram, uh, listen, abortion down our throats uh, and make us feel like uh, if we believe in the morality, uh, my friend, of human life, the sacredness of human life, uh, that we're the weirdo and we're the wart person uh, and they want to silence us uh, and cause us to just back up and not say anything about it. I'm going to tell you, friend, come hell or high water, sink or swim as long as there's breath in my body and blood in my system I plan on preaching against abortion I don't care if a hair lives a thousand devils I don't care if it makes Washington mad I don't care if it makes a bunch of liberals mad hey it's murder friend it always has been murder it always will be murder and by the grace of God I never want to accept that amen you say, why, preacher, are you so dogmatic on that? Because the Bible says in Luke chapter one and verse number 41 that it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, amen, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. In the same chapter in verse 44, Elizabeth said this herself, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Amen. I'll tell you something about old John the Baptist. He never performed a miracle, but he is filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. Amen. And my friend, when she made that announcement, Mary did that day, John leaped and took a lap, amen, in Elizabeth's womb. I'm telling you, friend, thank God life begins at conception. Isn't that right? I'm telling you, we're so warped and wicked in this society. They want to slaughter the innocent. They want to, listen, they want to dissect them like a frog even after their birth. Hey, that's demonic, that's demoralized, and somebody ought to still preach against it, amen. The power of persuasion. Don't ever quit saying amen to abortion. If you do, chalk it up, you're a coward. Amen. See, that's what the devil does in our churches. He gets the pulpit where we won't say nothing. They call that hate speech. God calls that the word of God. This morning, they want to teach our young people that sodomy is okay. 
I was driving down the interstate just yesterday and I won't even describe to you the sickening poster that I saw coming past, uh, past Hamilton Place Mall of two women, uh, my friend, and I thought, my Lord, uh, what's this next generation coming to? You young people listen to me this morning. It's not natural for a, a girl to like another girl and it's not natural for a boy to like another boy. In fact, it's a seducing spirit is what it is. Uh, it's wicked. It may be popular out there in this world, uh, but God said it's an abomination and God said he's gonna judge those uh, that embrace that sin. Uh, hey, I know what I'm talking about this morning. Uh, we've been put to the test before uh, and I wanna say, my friend, it may cost you uh, to draw some lines in the sand, but draw them deep enough, thank God, uh, that your children's children's children know where you stand uh, and then just stand, amen, by the grace of God, hallelujah. I'm talking about the Bible said in 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse number 12. And he took away, talking about King Asa, he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 17, listen to me young people, the Bible said there shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. In Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13, you ought to mark this verse down. If a man also lie with mankind, talking about another man. The Bible says, as he lieth with a woman, both of them hath committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. I'm gonna tell you something, instead of taking them out and kill them, now they parade them down the streets. They sign documents. They call it equality. And my friend, they want us to accept it. I'm gonna tell you, friend, I'll eat that mess like I'd eat a can of green beans. I'm not taking it. I'm not swallowing it. I'm telling you, God said it's wrong. God said that it's sin and we ought to still stand against it, amen. And the louder we shout it, the more they're gonna believe it. Sodomy's sin. I'm telling you, some girl touch you, you one of you girls in the wrong way, you go tell your parents. They got a seducing spirit on them. Stay away from it, and it's terrible. And while we're on the subject, hey man, they're so warped. If I had a little boy or a little girl for that matter, I'd never let them go to a public restroom without me going. If it was a boy, I'd go with a boy. If I had a son, if I had a daughter, I'd have my wife go in there with him. You don't know what kind of perverts. Hey, anybody in their right mind would not want to go in a bathroom of the opposite sex unless they've got a perverted mind. Hey man, it's sad. It's not the young people of our, our country that has, has provoked all this mess. It's politicians. God help America. If God don't judge America, he'll have to resurrect Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. You mark it down, judgment is already here, but it is on the way. And in the midst of all this mess of judgment, I want to tell you this morning, I'm glad I got a redeemer that lives. I'm glad I know I'm saved. There's never been a time I've been more glad to be saved and on my way to heaven than in the time I'm living right now. I'm praying for my grandchildren to get saved. I'm praying for lost church members to get saved. I'm praying for young people in the youth group to get saved. Friend, you better get on board while you can. This thing's about to wind down. We're about to pull out of here, praise God, and I hope you're a going because we're leaving, amen. I tell you what, you better let persuade you in this last hour, the word of God. 
the word of God, transgender. I don't want to preach on a bunch of that sin this morning. I really want to preach the gospel, but I'm telling you, it's, it's sickening, isn't it? You know, when I was in junior high, there was, a, there was a boy in junior high that wore pantyhose one day. And you know what? He, he tried to come in the locker room and what, none of us let him come in. He went and told the, he went and told the teacher, the, the gym teacher, and when he saw him wearing a pair of pantyhose, he didn't let him go in there neither. Thank God. You said, what would have happened? He probably got beat up if he went in there. You say, well, that's wrong. I'm gonna tell you, we as raised in our generation, men don't wear pantyhose. Somebody say amen. And they don't wear skirts and they don't wear dresses. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, the Bible says that in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number 18. My friend, a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. Amen. Hey, that's in that book. Amen. And don't come and say, well, that's law. Hey, that's moral law. Amen. It's not a dietary law. Not all the law was done away with friend the law was fulfilled isn't that right civil law we still believe in civil law we still believe murder's wrong we still believe killing's wrong hey we still believe in stealing's wrong that's civil law and we still believe in those moral laws amen but we got a generation now listen where teachers in public schools men want to come in cross dress they want to come in and be a transgender I mean even our president or so called you can say what you will about that amen but I'll tell you listen uh, listen, he's even uh, put someone in, uh, in, in his cabinet. Uh, I think it was over the health department who's a known transgender. God help us. I'm gonna tell you something. I feel funny when I go to, when I go to amusement park and they slap one of them little bracelets on you. Any of you guys feel funny like that? I mean, you gotta wear it. I like the stamps, don't you? <laughs> they put a bracelet on me. I just, I don't know. Your wrist starts wanting to do this right here. Makes me nervous. And I'm telling you, I grew up in a generation where they said if you, a, a boy, and you got a, a lace around your wrist and around your neck, you probably got it around your drawers, amen? And I'd say that's a pretty good analogy, amen? It didn't make me mad. I'm just saying thank God for somebody that had some gumption about them, amen? Now, hey, boys ought to look like boys and girls ought to look like girls and we ought to not have to stand around and scratch our head and figure out which is which, amen? I mean, if you're a young man, you ought to have a young man's haircut. If you're a young lady, you ought to have some hair. Amen. And it ought to be fixed nice. I'm just talking about, listen, dresses are for girls, breeches are for boys, and there ought to be a distinction between the two. Amen. It's a warped society, isn't it? And they'll look at a place like us, it'll probably make some podcast somewhere who makes fun of preachers. You know why that is? Because them people lost too, friend. They don't know the same God I know. I'm talking about the power of persuasion. In this crazy world, I, I don't want to be persuaded. I don't want to be persuaded. The power of persuasion, then the popularity of people. Pilate had the ability to release Jesus, but he teeters with the crowd in these verses. He gives them a choice. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? 
You'll notice we won't look at it, but if you go into chapter 19, he scourges Jesus, puts a purple robe on him, and and has them beat Jesus for the sake to try to appease this crowd. You see, he was concerned about his political status, but he also believed Jesus was an innocent man. He'd examined him, and Pilate knew how to examine men, but he couldn't find any fault in him. But rather than do the right thing, he did the political thing. And what it was here is the, the popularity of people. He was simply afraid of the crowd. I don't think we ought to go looking for a fight. I don't think we ought to cause a fight. But if we just stand and we do what's right, do you know what's going to happen? The fight's coming to our doorstep. They're coming to our doorstep, friend. But I say, by the grace of God, let's keep on standing. Brother, I'm telling you, I want to stay on the right side of things, don't you? I want to stand for what is right. And here we see the popularity of people, rather than than do what he knew was right, he let the people sway him. I want to ask you something this morning. Are you following the crowd? Perhaps there's somebody here today and you need to be saved, but you've got a friend or friends this morning. You say, Brother Gravely, if I get saved, I'll have to leave them. You won't have to leave them if you get saved. They'll all leave you. You said, Brother Gravely, if I get saved, what are they they going to say? You can be a witness to them. But I'm going to tell you where the crowd will lead you this morning. It'll lead you straight into hell, friend. When you think about this crowd this morning, the popular thing to do was to reject Jesus Christ, and they did it loudly. But Pilate is in hell. The chief rulers are in hell. The Roman soldiers that, that crucified Jesus and beat him up, they're in hell. Much of the nation of Israel that rejected Christ are in hell. I'm telling you, they got exactly what they asked for. They wanted a thief. They wanted a robber. They wanted a murderer. And do you realize that after that, those that ruled over the nation of Israel, that's exactly what they were. They were thieves and robbers and bloodthirsty kings. That uh, They said, let his blood be upon us and upon our people. And it was upon them. What I'm saying is if you follow the crowd, it'll lead you in the wrong way. But if you follow Christ, uh, you'll never be sorry. One thief, my friend, rejected Christ. uh, But thank God there was another thief that day that he said, you know what? Everybody's turned against him, but what if I got to lose? Uh, The world has given me nothing and has brought me nowhere. And so he said, you know what? Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He went against the grain and thank God uh, he's never been sorry. Hey, can I tell you the best thing that'll ever happen to any of us uh, is to get sorry saved by the grace of God. Amen. You know you're lost. You ought to come down here and trust Jesus and be saved. I want to say this, not only the the power, persuasion, the popularity of people, but I want to tell you, Brother Danny taught all over this this morning. And I know that when he was teaching this lesson, I thought to myself, how the Holy Ghost puts things together. He had no idea what I was going to to preach. The third thing that kept this crowd from accepting Jesus and will keep you is the passion of pride. Pilate allowed the passion of pride to rule him. There was no way he was going to give in or give up his political career for Jesus Christ. He had too much to lose in his own eyes. Proverbs 16 and verse 18, he read these verses this morning. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 11 and verse number 2 said, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. You know, this, this past week when this young man got saved, as folks was coming by and congratulating him after the service, someone passed by me, someone I don't even know, 
Don't know if I even spoke to the person during the meeting. But as that person walked by, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, pray for their soul. Pray for them to be saved. As far as I could tell, they're a church member. You know, sitting in our churches today, we have tares among the wheat, don't we? I've never been a preacher that tries to figure out who's a tear and who's a wheat. I think sometimes it's quite evident. But I believe, I believe that could cause vast confusion. In fact, I know I've seen that happen. God will separate the wheat from the tares. It's not my responsibility to figure out who's who this morning, but it is my responsibility to preach the gospel and hope and pray that those who are a member of this church have more than church membership and that you know that you're saved this morning. I think it was Abby that got saved and you get saved this week. Abby came to the altar during the three-week revival. When we went home, my wife, Abby, didn't know this, but my wife said to me, she said, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm not saying she didn't get saved. She said, I'm just not sure if she got saved. She said, only the Lord knows. She said, I'm, she said would you just pray with me about that, that, that if she's settled, it'll be fine, and that if not, the Lord would turn that light on. I'm glad the Holy Ghost knows how to lead us. Left to ourselves, we can't figure anything out. But if we'll just hear that little voice, and if we'll obey that voice this morning, Brother Danny taught it well and said it right this morning. I'm telling you, listen to you, want God to save your soul, you have to humble yourself. You can't come to the altar and say, well, I'm gonna come and just kindly, you know, I'm just gonna pray this little prayer. No, I'm gonna tell you, you gotta come broken, friend. You gotta come believing. You gotta come to the end of yourself and, and just lose all your dignity and lose all your shame. I'm not saying you gotta make a scene. I'm not saying that you gotta put on a show. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you gotta really come clean with God and just be honest about yourself and honest about your sin. Nobody gets saved that, that says, well, you know, I, I kindly did some wrong and I kindly not done. No, as long as you're mealy-miley and around with it, as long as you're trying to manipulate your sin and yourself, you can just sit in your pew and die and go to hell. And I'm telling you, listen, when you get to the place where you get so desperate. You say, oh God, I'm lost and I'm going to hell and I know I need to be saved and I can't save myself. Dear God, it's me, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner, but Jesus, you're my savior. I trust you, he'll save your soul, amen. If you be honest this morning, 